This episode of a sassy little podcast for getting over it is proudly sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a woman-owned and managed business providing financial planning services nationwide. We know the importance of staying healthy. We see our doctor and go to the dentist. But how often do we give our finances a checkup? Rooted Planning Group is ready to help you at every stage, whether you're just starting out, growing your business, or recovering from hardship. Visit RootedPG.com today and see a brighter financial tomorrow. Hello and welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today we're talking about getting the F over stage fright, because we're all likely to feel that gut-flipping fear when a spotlight hits us. Our guest is a delightful human who's a comedian, motivational thinker, roller skater, and hugger. With an insightful and inspiring YouTube channel that aims to help at least one person each day, our guest is someone to enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome that Jackie Jones. <laughs> the adjective is such a strange thing. Hello. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are you? Fabulous. It's really good to see another human. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And now we actually get to see each other in person. (laughs) Like it's just, yes, you know. Anyway, I digress. So are you nervous at all being here? Any stage fright at all? (laughs) I'm in my living room. (laughs) The stakes couldn't be lower. (laughs) Um. Sure. Yeah. There's an element of, well, we don't have an audience currently. So what is going to come out of our mouths and what will be on the interweb forever? Exactly. Exactly. Or as long as I pay my hosting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> love that reality is so important and i think that's the Isn't truth because my mind would really project and create a story that is not real so just, those facts are helpful <laughs> you know there are just some things that it's it's kind of good to know you're out you know that not everything yeah. is permanent all you got to do is stop paying a bill <laughs> that's right <laughs> and we never heard from them again ever <laughs> So, you know, stage fright is defined as nervousness before or during an appearance in front of an audience. And let's remember that an audience can be a group of coworkers, friends, families, complete strangers, or a Zoom screen, because we had a whole lot of that going on in the last year. And I think that we, we try to downplay our sense of stage fright. We no one wants to really like to admit that they get nervous over something really simple as a Zoom meeting or whatever. Mm. But, um, you know, it happens. I was going to say before our call, I was thinking, I don't have stage fright at all. But then when you just read that definition, I started to get a bit anxious. I thought, (laughs) I absolutely have stage fright. I just push through. A lot of people, I think I the extreme is someone who has stage fright or a fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. They just don't do it. Oh, I oh I can't do that. I prefer. Oh, I could never do that. I prefer not to do it. Oh no, not me. Right. But they just opt out. But everybody mm-hmm. has it. I think. Sure. I think you just have to power through it. And I think if you don't, then are you really present? Because mm-hmm. there's so much of the unknown, you know, that's going into play. If you are able to just kind of block all that out, well, okay, that's great. And, you know, hurrah for you. And maybe you're just, you know, 
superhuman. But to me, it's like if you're present, there's a whole lot of unknowns and questions and who's going to be there and who's going to see me and am I going to fuck it up? And, you know, <laughs> all of that. I think we we kind of downplay that vulnerability a little bit and want to kind of either, like you said, avoid it or pretend it doesn't exist. But I think if we're honest, it's, you know, sometimes before you make a phone call, it's like, oh, how's this going to go? Oh, absolutely. I'm of the generation that actually makes phone calls. So, you know. I, I'm with you on that. And you just don't know what the energy will be on the other end of the phone. You think, well, they picked it up, so they must be available. So I must not say, Are, can you talk right now? Well, you pick. There's just stories created out of nothing. Exactly. I'm pumped up about this. I'm just so pumped up about this, this topic. I didn't know I had so much. I think I'm having a revelation, thanks to you. Because identifying the stage fright... I've now, in hindsight, am reflecting that I've learned how to self-soothe myself through it and being able, I I would just say, oh, it's just displaced energy in my gut. And I'd do these breathing exercises and I'd really focus the energy to center around my stomach and just really contain it and bring it from the other parts of my body, just really focus it in and just tell myself, well, if they're if you're not having fun, they're not having fun. Oh, they right. they worked all day today and they came after work and they, you know, rushed to eat dinner and they paid for valet and all the things. They wanted they want to be they want to open up. And just really tricking myself into creating the best environment possible for success. But also before the show even happens, my brain, I really don't prepare for a show until the day of the show. I mean, literally mentally, because the adrenaline will get so pumped up and I'm in such a visualization state. I'm watching the success of it happen before it happens. I'm seeing myself the first thing I'll say when I step out there. But then again, you have to play to the the room and so you really have to assess in the moment. It's a split second decision on what Mm -hmm. really happens energetically. Yeah, absolutely. And that's being present. Or and afraid being- of death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's just it. I mean, we, we don't like to acknowledge that we have insecurities. We don't like to acknowledge that, you know, we have fears. But it's really super fucking human to, like, be afraid of being embarrassed or flopping. <laughs> right. And or- I don't want to be human. <laughs> Right. And nobody wants to be made fun of or, you know, shit the bed in public. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's 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 going to happen mm. at some point. No one's perfect. Everybody has a bad show, so to speak. And whether that's a meeting or giving a toast at a friend's celebration or whatever it is, it's we want those moments to always be perfect. But it's okay if they're not. I mean, it's really hard if your job is to be on stage or in front of the camera and perform and have a bad mm-hmm. day. That's that's never a good feeling. But that anxiety before the show or the presentation or the toast or whatever it is, that's that's something to acknowledge and kind of learn how to, like you said, overcome, self-soothe, deal with because you know, it, it happens to everybody. And if, you know, I, I think other performances said, if, you know, if you aren't scared before you walk out on stage, you know, what are you doing there? Because that's part of it. That's part of the adrenaline. That's part of, you know, the 
anticipation. And like you said, you, you have to read the room as soon as you're there. You have to read the audience and kind of know where everyone's at, what's what might hit, what might miss. And that's also part of the fun and part of the art and part of the the talent. Oh, absolutely. And also, yeah, I love that you mentioned too, it's not just about someone whose job is to perform. There are other settings where speeches or talks or presentations are given that the stakes are not there to make someone laugh. It might be to inform or to educate. I mean, I've given three eulogies and I always turn them into a, a, a roast of sorts. You know, I'm trying to bring humor into rooms yes. that don't necessarily allow for that. And so it can right. be uncomfortable. And I think I've become un- I've comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with the awkward silence. I'm okay with pushing the, the envelope, if you will. And I just help, I think it helps to make people relax. And that's why the yes. acknowledgement is so important. If you see, it's very clear in a stand-up comedian and they try a new joke or something or a joke bombs or fails, if you will, and they say, oh, yeah, I just thought about that on the way over here. Oh, guess that one didn't work. You know, it's like the deflection and the acknowledgement right. of something didn't work. It's saying to the audience, I hear, I heard your non-laughter and I know, I, I see you, I hear you, and now we're back. It, it really um, brings humility to the forefront. Mm-hmm. But in a normal work environment, too, I think it's okay to say how you're really feeling. Yes. I'm really nervous right now. It's 9 a.m. We haven't had coffee yet. There's bagels in the room. Like, everyone's distracted about their life, and now we're at work, and we got to pretend to love each other, whatever is the situation. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a lot of that coming up in the next couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think... That's just it, is is the acknowledgement. Whether you want to share it with everybody that's there, which usually is helpful, or just within yourself. Like, okay, you know, I'm this is uncomfortable for me. One of the things that's most uncomfortable for me, and this kind of sucks as an author, is reading in public. Mm. Because I have Oh, a, I'm with you. Ah. And it's What is it about for you? For me, it's I have like this slight dyslexia. It's a little weird glitch in my brain as to what I'm seeing on the page, what I'm saying, and what I'm hearing are different. Mm. And it's, and especially if I'm nervous, it can get even worse because I think my brain gets a little bit ahead of everything else because it's seeing everything but my eyes are only mm-hmm. paying attention to a word at a time. My ears are trying to keep up with my brain. It's a weird situation. And if I'm you know, giving a pres- presentation that I'm reading, one time I actually had to stop because it was so bad for me. I actually asked the audience, like, is this making sense to you? <laughs> and I think that they were you know, answering to what I was, you know, much more to the material I was conveying rather than, you know, is this... Am I just speaking garble? Because that's what it was like for me at that time. And I just learned not to listen to myself. I just learned to just read the words, not pay attention to what's coming out of my mouth, and mm. just fake it. But I I truly, truly hate having to read in public. Yeah, you're telling my story. Absolutely. Oh. I think I wonder if that's just a creative person thing because my mind is a very visual, auditory, you know, it's very I mean 
complex, but maybe people who are avid readers, you know, they can stay focused on one task at a time. Meanwhile, my brain is just very loud. Yes. <laughs> so I hear what you're saying. You're painting the picture as you're reading it, and I'm not really digesting what I'm reading. It's like I wish someone would just read to me so I can relax. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm so impressed with anybody that can just, you know, pick up a, a book. I mean, I actually have to practice. So mm -hmm. it's like I have to pick the passage and like really it's it's a skill that six six year olds master. You know what I mean? Mm. And so for me to be a grown ass woman and still have that discomfort about it, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. it's it's real trauma. I but I I have to do it. So I figure out a way around it. And if I fuck up, I just smile, hopefully have a glass of something I can sip and then start over. And it, you know, people are, are pretty generous. You know, not everybody's looking to point out every flaw. And most people just mm -hmm. kind of miss the stuff that you get stuck on. And you know, so, yeah, but oh, my God, not my favorite thing. I'm actually a part of a book study group on Tuesday nights on Zoom in Santa Barbara, and it's a group of sailors, just a rowdy bunch, like actual <laughs> sailors. They all work on a sailboat together. And we just had, you know, a change of the guard, if you will. And I told them I had this fear of of reading because someone has to read the book for the whole group. And so, of course, they're all laughing and they vote me to be the person to read. <gasps> so now for the next six plus months, they're like, even when we go back in person, we're still going to have you read for us on Zoom. And I'm just, but every week it's interesting to watch myself like, you know, try to pump myself up with confidence. Mm -hmm. Like you could do this, Jackie, you know, just word by word. Don't get ahead of yourself. Just really, you know. Yeah. And I've been able to do it the past few weeks. And then when they compliment me, instead of being like, oh, no, and really deflect and not receive the compliment, I'm just like, yes, I'm letting them pat me on the back and be like, I'm Good. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's those little, it's the little things. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, it's important to learn what works for you, what's going to get you over that anxiety, what's going to get you over that weakness and just fucking deal with it and find what works for you. Do you have any tricks that have helped you be as confident as you are on stage? Yeah, it's just important to shrink the spectrum. Mm. You know, I can't expect to put on roller skates for the first time and be like a, a speed skater extraordinaire. <laughs> you know, it's about finding your balance and finding the right speed that works for you. And it's like, you know, at first you're holding on to the wall and you're going real slow on the outside and then you get, a, you know, a little bit more confident, like, okay, it's a wood floor, I may break a bone, okay, it's going to be, you know, if I just stay focused on my balance and I'm not too far forward, not too far, you know, it's the same concept. Then next you're holding a friend's hand, you're going around together and then next thing you know, you're by yourself and then the next thing you know, maybe, maybe I'll skate backwards, you know, it's like... If I can, it's the more and digestible Rex. little by little. Yes. <laughs> and that's okay. Not everyone who falls skating breaks a bone, but that's right. the fear. And I think the fear really clouds the vision and makes more my thinking more delusional. Like if I put mm -hmm. so much expectation on what this presentation or this show or this talk is supposed to reveal or what's the reward but if I'm doing it just to do it, to, what if I died right in that moment? Would I be okay with the outfit I was wearing? Would I be okay with the things that are coming out of my mouth? 
I hope so. Well, once upon a time, um, I sang. And this was like for school, like wasn't in a rock band or anything cool like that. And I think the last time I took the stage like that was my sophomore year in college. And I remember, of course, definite stage fright because there's just, you might as well just walk up naked, you know, and just. Wait, were you in a group or was this a solo? Solo. Solo, just me and the piano Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. The stakes are higher. Yes. The stakes are a little higher. And yeah, not not just in, you know, choir. It's, this is just (laughs) me, the piano dude and an audience of of strangers. (laughs) And because it's like our our recital or something like that. And I did the Jedi mind trick of staring at audience members until they looked away. And it's with a smile. It's very, it's not (laughs) aggressive. But you just kind of pick a couple people and look at them smiling until they look away. Because it is, it is uncomfortable to have somebody just kind of hold your gaze and it's like, oh, okay. And it's primal, it's, like a cat. It's, it's who has it's, dominance here? Exactly. <laughs> and so it was totally like that. And one of the people I chose was a friend of mine's girlfriend, and who just was always really cold and standoffish. She's also a journalism <laughs> major, and I knew she was there to review the show. And I was just so she was one of the first where I just was holding her gaze till it looked away. So did the song, went fine. And the next day I bumped into the boyfriend. He's like, oh my God, she's totally enjoyed your performance. She said you had the most incredible stage presence. I'm like, nah, Jedi mind trick. Wow. If you didn't follow up with that, I was like, what did the article say? (laughs) She was like, it was so awkward. I was in the front row. (laughs) To be honest, I never read it. Because I'm that person, wow. I don't, I don't want to know. But the fact that he came to me and then, you know, she had this glowing response and said that I had stage presence. Well, no. Wow. I just think it was that Jedi mind trick of, just like you said, asserting dominance, not in an aggressive way and not mm-hmm. in an arrogant way. Because when somebody comes on and overcompensates with arrogance, we can all read right. that. And you aren't Absolutely. really winning over your audience with that kind of stance, but to just kind of connect with people, make Mm -hmm. that eye contact, hold that gaze until it becomes a little uncomfortable for them, not cruelly, but yes, asserting your dominance, especially when you're vulnerable, especially when you're scared, isn't a bad thing. So I I do employ that. Oh, I've sat on people's laps. (laughs) You got to, I break the fourth wall, like anything to feel a little bit better in my skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let them know but that maybe, this is your your house for a moment. Yeah. And I was going to say, I don't think you gave yourself credit for that. You, you're, you said you didn't have stage presence, but you cultivated that moment. Well, you know what I'm saying? It's like certain people like walk into the room, they have a presence. They have, they walk on stage, mm-hmm. they have a stage presence. You can't take your eyes off of them. So I think- that something is a little bit different than what I believe I cultivated, or at least I faked, <laughs> you know? And and I and I think that there is a difference because there are some performers that are just so competent or even speakers, you know, or even just mm. people you know amongst your friends that just have that kind of presence or magnetism where the energy just kind of shifts 
when they walk in the room or take the stage. And I think you can you can manifest it if you need to by asserting that very um, smiley dominance. But uh, yeah, so that that's that's a little trick that works for me from time to time. So don't be afraid to have a smiling staring contest with a few people in the front rows and see if that doesn't help. Or sit in their lap. <laughs> Whatever works. I mean, it's really just about uncovering and discovering, for me, where it comes from. I think I've been trying mm-hmm. to put the performer in me aside and to really be a person because so much of my upbringing, I played that role and that character in my family's dynamic of the hero, the court jester, you know. And and so it's just over time I've been wanting to shed that skin to be mm-hmm. more authentic, more me, more, you know, evolved, if you will. And, and I just notice I keep saying, if you will. And it's just really nice to acknowledge, <laughs> to have awareness around something so that I can work on it. And I think people, they just put themselves in a box and say, oh, no, not me, not ever. But there are classes about anything. You can go on YouTube. You can type in, mm-hmm. um, I, this happened. My sunroof got stuck open in my car. You go on YouTube. They tell you exactly how to fix it. It was a rainy day, too. Go figure. I had to see the rainbow in the sky, and I overdid it, apparently. But... <laughs> Anybody can learn to do anything. And I, I've mm-hmm. often mentored people and helped them start the road to becoming a stand-up comedian. I really do believe anybody could do it. It's not about com- – when I compare and despair, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not li- like Chris Farley or, oh, I'm not like so-and-so. That's not the point. The point is to, become, to be more you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if we acknowledge what we have to work with, then that gives us something to work with. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that people are most afraid of, and especially when the spotlight is on you, is being yourself, of of really having to own who you are and being comfortable in your skin, warts and all, and mm. and letting that be enough, because I think that's one of the the anxiety triggers, the fears, is like people are really going to see me. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. And it's much easier to perform in front of a crowd of 300 plus, 3,000, 300,000 than it is to sit with three people and have a real conversation. So the practice is really the vulnerability and being able to connect and not have to bring a heightened energy to everything. Can I still, can I just be and still have energy and still have Mm -hmm. my character and my essence? without going yes. to a 10 every time. And, the, you know, those people who are always, like, oh, they're always on. Yes. It's like oh when God, I see exhausting. it, it's just, you spot it, you got it. And I used to be like that, just, oh, just starved for attention. It's really just a cry for help. You just want to chain those people up and, you know, and give them a huge bear hug and tell them it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're going to get through this. Yeah. It is. And so what is, I'm trying to think of my own because I'm sure I have more than one, but what what was your most embarrassing time on stage that you had to kind of get over if there was one? Yeah, it comes one, right to me. Okay. <laughs> you know, when, when a comedian bombs, right, they say, well, you have to bomb X amount of times in order to be get your 10,000 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And 
in the beginning when I first started, I didn't have an authentic voice. It was just pure gay jokes, lesbian jokes. Like everything was just about my sexuality because I didn't know who I was as a person or what I was into, what my favorite ice cream was, whatever. And I did this show and it was um, when the person before you gets up and tells Elmo in person, like it's just an Elmo impersonator and they're getting huge laughs. You're like, wow, okay, these people are in touch with a different animal. And then I get up there and try to really connect with the spirit and soul of their being. And I'm, it was like pulling teeth. It was silence. I've never had an experience like that. You know, and then contrastly, you go to a show where they call it like a bringer show, like, oh, you bring all your friends and then it's a contest and they vote for you. And of course, all your friends vote for you because they came to see you and it's just a popularity contest. But when I first moved to LA, I did one of these shows and I didn't have any friends out here. So I drove an hour and a half to get to this show. It was a bringer show and all these people's friends voted for me and I got awesome. first place and I didn't know a person in the room. I was like, <laughs> yes, I did it. I connected with those people and it was such a win. Yes, that's a big win. And I, and to make someone, I mean, ultimately, I think it's about making people feel comfortable. You know, when you go to a party yes. and if someone doesn't say, oh, this is where the bathroom is, make yourself at home, you kind of feel awkward, like, uh, can I get a glass of water? Mm-hmm. Can I use the bathroom? No, I want someone to walk me in. It's the same time, first day on a job, you want someone to show you where everything is, make you feel like, yeah, this is the break room. This is where we just you put your feet up here. This is where you can meditate. You know, there's, oh, down the street, we go around walks on the block to to decompress and talk smack about our coworkers, whatever. You just want to feel in. And when you cut through all the icy layers, then you're like, you're part of the club. So I want people to feel at home. Mm -hmm. I I agree. Everywhere they go. Yeah. Yes. And I think when you, when you are in that spotlight for whatever it is, whether it's a presentation at work or like I said, a toast at a friend's celebration, you're the host at that moment. That's your home. Mm. And you are, for however many minutes you're going to be doing it, you're sort of in charge in a good way, like not in a bossy way, but <laughs> in like, I'm going to take care of you people. I'm going to make everybody feel good and get my point across. And then we're going to move on. And, but yeah, I mean, and the bathrooms are over there, but it's, <laughs> it's having that understanding that yes, all eyes are on you and you have a little bit of a responsibility. So hopefully you came mm. prepared or if you weren't able to kind of acknowledge that and do the best you can. And it just hit me. I had a dream. Oh my God, this is so funny. I had a dream last night with JC Coakley who did the episode. She's a comedian and she did our episode on climate change. And I was going to do an hour long comedy show like this is all hitting me right now like the dream I had this morning and we had written it out we had practiced it like I had all my notes it was really good we had the transitions and all of this and she's like okay so it's today and I didn't have my notes and it was too far for me to drive and go get them and I couldn't remember anything so it was one of those dreams but you know so yeah and if that happens then you do the best you can. You may not be able to pull off an hour. <laughs> like, what the fuck kind of dream? Clearly, it was all about today. But yeah. Your subconscious was hard at work for this. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
my my subconscious. <laughs> It, it, it needs a vacation. It, it's been it's been overtime lately. It's 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 been a lot. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, no, I love no, I love that you mentioned that because I think it's really important, honestly, because our subconscious is the tape that's always playing. Mm-hmm. And so I have in the past year or what whatever have learned to let things play as I fall asleep to have more helpful subconscious thoughts, healing thoughts instead of obsessive, destructive, you know, I'm going to die alone, you know, the desperation, <laughs> you know, and, and lately I'm into this uh, Hawaiian prayer. I don't know how to say oh, it. Awesome. I think it's Hawanapono or something. Anyway, the, the awesome. basis of it, it's about forgiveness, and the, the translation is something like, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Oh, it's lovely. The more I can work on myself and clear out the, you know, the negative thoughts and bring in more positive thoughts, the more things just seem to change. And so I'm always finding ways to combat and come at different angles to the thing that I really think is separating me from being further connected with people. And mm-hmm. I love when you were saying too, the person with the with the responsibility to let people know is in charge for the moment. They're the adult in the room. Mm-hmm. And having acknowledgement about roles is really important because if you go and you're looking around like as someone, you know, if people are unsure about rules, they don't know how to make or break the rules, you know. And so it's like learning the rules so you can either choose to break them or I am a rule follower and I will stick to these rules. But if someone else breaks the rules, oh, you're not standing on your sticker that says six feet away, then you are a horrible (laughs) human being. It's all just creating constant content on what is okay and not okay for people's behavior in this world, ultimately. Right. Well, I fell asleep to a glitch in the Matrix, the documentary <laughs> last night. So that that might explain a little bit of what just happened. <laughs> like, no joke. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, probably explains a little bit about my mindset lately. and you kept falling asleep to it so you tried to finish it the next night and you could just never get through the cycle (laughs) i always fall asleep because you know i i always fall asleep with the tv on i've got a timer on my tv so that's like the thing and i was already watching it's like you know it's it's on hulu so it's not like so yes exactly i started from where i last remembered it and i still have a little ways to go and so this this is how i get through television these days it's like I'm gonna watch it but speaking of i'm just gotta ask have you watched hacks at all people keep mentioning this to me so i will have to watch it but i must say as a person who has done and is a comedian at heart i have a very hard time watching comedies because right. I cannot allow myself to be entertained. I am critiquing and comparing myself. Oh, you know, just, you know, bitter that they're doing the thing that I wish that I could do. Meanwhile, I'm over here eating chips. <laughs> but yes, carry on. Hacks. Hacks is amazing. It's very well written. Jean Smart is extraordinary. If you at all loved her in... Uh, mayor of East Town, you're going to love her even more in this. And I'm embarrassed that I don't know the young woman's name who plays her 
assistant there she's helping her write she's more than assistant she's a, a writer and um it's but it's delightful and it touches on some of the things that we were talking about not so much about stage fright but finding your voice and hmm. being true to yourself and all of that it's it's really really well done i think you'll enjoy it because it's not so much about the performance it's much more about what goes on behind the performance and female dynamics and all sorts of other shit since I'm open to trying new things these days, I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> Someone follow up cool. for me two weeks from now. Definitely. We'll have a different conversation. Thank you. <laughs> marking, marking it in the calendar. <laughs> but I want to talk also about um, your YouTube channel. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, Wow. What a treat. That's a huge eye roll. And I don't even roll my eyes. I, <laughs> I question people who roll their eyes. It is such... Who has such disdain that their eyes – I don't I, get as it. As a little girl, as a little girl, I'm two and three years old getting yelled at for rolling my eyes. It is just oh. a, a, a physical response that I, I cannot, cannot not do. Um, but it – like from the time I was a toddler, it, it was – basically I was raised amongst a whole lot of bullshit and that was why it was totally <laughs> verbal. All I could do was roll my eyes. <laughs> Okay, okay, I have a new appreciation, but it it, it would hurt it hurts my heart to see it. <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's demonic and but I but I'm glad you have an outlet <laughs> that you don't choose. <laughs> it happens to you, through you. It's just one of those you know, like a funny bone or you hit your knee in that one spot and your leg flies up. If there's a certain amount of bullshit, the eyes just roll. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to look at that differently now. I love that you can acknowledge, wow, maybe it's hereditary. There's just so much bullshit in your household. Wow. Okay. I'm going to think nice. about that. Thank you. And yeah, the, the channel really started, I used to just post anything and everything. And then I got to a point where I felt not embarrassed, but just not proud of my content. I was just putting out some wackadoo stuff pre-sobriety, just really out of my mind, you know, high and drunk or whatever. And I just felt like my niece and my nephew didn't have anything they could be like, this is my Aunt Jack. There's so, they, they, nothing they could be proud of. And mm. so I started this new series thinking about, I don't need to do a two-hour comedy special. What, what would happen if I just shrunk the spectrum? Because people don't have an attention span anymore. If anyone's still listening to this, like, <laughs> I, I'm going to listen to this, but because we did this together and I want to have hindsight about it. But it's like to really consciously sit and listen to something, it takes dedication the same way to not read ahead of the words you're reading. So anyway, mm -hmm. I just think... Anyone who still has an attention span, I'm so proud of you for having healthy boundaries. <laughs> but also, yeah, I just was like, what could be more digestible? What is, is something that's two minutes or three minutes long? That's a little bit more digestible than a 37-minute episode where I'm like, eh, I don't know. Do I want to start this right now? I want to give it my full attention. Just all the internal dialogue that prevents me from participating. So anyway, I just said to my friends, hey, give me a list of topics. What do you want to hear about? And... The topic started rolling in and, and where my rigidity and my um, 
you know, I just found out I have OCD. So it's a new thing I'm acknowledging is that the list that has come in for the topics, I can't go out of order. I got to go in the order they were sent to me. I'm like, no, I'm going to get to this person's first because they submitted their submissions first. You know, I'm like, I want to honor these people. And I put the title of each episode, each excerpt, the same way that they spelled it even if they spelled it wrong. And so I'm just like walking through my own uncomfortability again to what's going to happen? How can I help this one person? They want to hear about that topic. I'm going to serve it up. And if I don't know how to anything about that topic, I'm going to find someone who's an expert or has experience to talk about it, which hasn't happened yet so far, but I'm because I'm making stuff up and I'm having a good time, but I'm really, it's treacherous, the recording process. And so I'm really not having fun, but maybe one day, Maybe one day the stage fright will morph into joy and happiness. And I think that's the ultimate dream for me as a creative person, as an artist, is to like myself. Mm. Whoa. That's that's heavy. It's honest. Yeah. You're so sweet. You're nodding and just like there for me and giving me a virtual hug. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. But you are so lovable. And like I said, delightful. Every time I've met you, it's just a delight. You just glow. And you're smart and funny and present. And not everybody can be all of those things at once. And you're genuinely interested in other people. And that's also pretty rare, especially in the uh, area in which we live. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I was... It's strange because I was in a cult, not knowingly. I didn't know I was in a cult when I was in it, but I was in for a year. And, you know, all these gurus and self-help gurus and all these people and all these things. Like, for me, it's not about being the leader of a bunch of people and brainwashing people. I would love to brainwash people of their bullshit and help them maybe think Mm -hmm. about things differently. That's why I say I'm a motivational thinker. I'll I'll inspire you to think about some things. I don't know if I'll motivate you to take action, but let's have uh, some intellectual uh, imagination going on and but yeah, I just don't want to be the lead. I don't want to be your guru, but I would love to be your friend. And I just want to, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it's bec- maybe I'm afraid of success. But the underlying thing is I think at the end of the day, people do want to help people in mm-hmm. whatever your skill is. And even if it's just like offering kindness to someone at the grocery store, like, oh, you dropped that thing on the you – know, just consciously not being an asshole I think is an art form. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I find your your YouTubes are, they're not at all guru-y. They're very much definitely friendly, but at that friend level where it's like, this is what I've experienced. This is what I've learned. This is how I've thought about it. And I think that's really helpful because, and that's sort of like the idea behind this podcast is we're all kind of in the same boat whether we want to acknowledge that or not, we aren't as alone as we think we are. And sadly, hmm. we aren't as unique as we think we are. And <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. Like there is yeah. no problem that you have that probably four other people in your circle have also had. Right. Just nobody's talking about it. And the more we share, the more we realize we aren't alone, we aren't unique in a good way. And 
there is support out there. There is a way to kind of navigate that. And here's my take on it. And there's his take on it. And there's her take on it. And there's their take on it. And that's how we kind of learn how to be better with ourselves. Because we cause so much of our own turmoil. Yes, there are extenuating Mm -hmm. factors that are coming out of us that are coming at us that we have no control over and don't necessarily have a shield to protect ourselves from. But we pick the scab. We poke the wound. And we are always looking for something to be disappointed in, whether it's in ourselves Mm -hmm. or our environment and all of that. And that's very human. I am 100% totally fucking guilty of this myself. And (laughs) it's getting, getting to acknowledge that because I also don't want to be toxically happy about it and only looking for the good, which is a good way to do it, but also acknowledge what's uncomfortable, what is displeasing, what you want to change, and then figure out, well, what can I do about it? Sadly, if it's nothing, then it's learning to accept what you have to tolerate for now. If there is something you can do, finding the uh, cojones to do what needs to be done. And that's a lot of it is being afraid to make the change because, you know, somebody pointed out to me that people will choose unhappiness over uncertainty. Hmm. And that to me is terribly sad. And when I look around, I see how often that's true. But if we can be brave enough to say, hey, got to make a change. I may totally fucking fail, but what if I don't? You just described a whole episode or series of hoarders. Every episode is that. (laughs) Choosing unhappiness over uncertainty. What happens if I let go of all my stuff? And that's really a metaphor for my emotional baggage, my Mm. stories connected to my childhood or how I think I was wronged by that ex or whatever. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. And I love hoarders, by the way, because I'm so fascinated. I'm so fascinated by what human beings will allow themselves to ignore and deny. Yeah. How how are you how are you crawling over 5 feet of stuff and thinking that that's okay and then are really sad to get rid of the stuff that you've been walking on that's covered in rodent stuff and you know it's like it's already ruined. You didn't take care of it. You've never walked into a hoarder's home where everything is hung up organized in boxes. It's never right. it's never that. And this isn't coming from a place of judgment. It's really to me it's such an example of what we are willing to ignore and deny in order to not have to change. And that that may be another form of stage fright. Or what happens Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. And I think that the way that that show approaches it, again, is like when your family nags at you or your partner or whatever, when you hear something a certain way so many times, it it installs a certain button. But -hmm. when you hear it from someone who is unbiased and they say it in a kind and empathetic way, they're able to shift. And also when someone's a professional, that's why it's so important to work with people who have a license in their field or have Mm -hmm. a certificate to validate. I am a cleaning expert. I, you know, know about um, biohazard. 
if your family member's just like, this is gross, you know, and I think that also <laughs> translates to the workplace too. If you're, if someone's management style is to be micromanaging versus macromanaging and they're not instilling, you know, empowering you and entrusting you to make decisions and instead they're, in, they're putting fear into you and then you're going to doubt every decision you make. Like, ah, I don't know, you're always walking on eggshells and it's always about our relationships with people and how everything that cause and effect and how we really, um, I always say this metaphor, but it makes so much sense to me. When you throw a rock into a pond and that ripple effect happens, we're mm-hmm. that rock everywhere we go. And so we're impacting people. And and if I'm if I'm not in alignment with my true self or my higher self or my, my better self, then usually I have to make amends for that behavior or I feel really bad about the way I just behaved. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like just learning each day. It's all information. And what am I going to do with it? It's not bad. It's not good. It's just, you know, people are like, oh, there's dark clouds over my head or, oh, everything's on a, I'm on a pink cloud right now. It's like, they're just clouds. (laughs) There's no rule book for any of this. We're just kind of (laughs) all experiencing and sharing what worked and what worked. And can I hear what someone's saying? Or maybe it's not until that one person says it. And then I, it's the aha moment. Oh, I never got it until right now. Amazing. It is. It really, really is. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being here today. It was so wonderful to talk with you. Uh, You're so easy to talk to. Thank you. I'll have to tell my therapist I found a replacement. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. You can find Jackie on Instagram and YouTube at thatjackiejones. And check out JJ's channel and subscribe. Also like it very, very much. And be sure to visit our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group, at rootedpg.com to get started on a brighter financial future. It's really worth it, and they're doing a bunch of great stuff. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To get the podcast early, ad-free, and with exclusive content, become a patron on Patreon. Go to the community page at sassylittlepodcast.com for more information. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sassylittlepod or email me from the About page on the website. Until next time, take care. <laughs>